0: Greetings, everyone. It's another episode of Never Stay Dead. In fact, it's an extra episode. This is a little scrap of conversation that uh, Matt and I had after the end of the last podcast. And we thought you might find it somewhat interesting, or at least some of you will. So we uh, offer it as a bonus episode. Well,
1: outside of Planetary... Can you think of a number of books that are intimidating to approach? Because I feel like it it's relatively unique in that I feel almost everyone holds it in a certain light that almost makes it harder to read, because you can't just read an issue of planetary, you have to do your homework.
0: And I think also, if you stop reading it, I mean, there's other books that are like this, but if you stop reading it, you very much feel like you have to go back to the beginning because you... If you've read part of it, you realize, oh, there's clues throughout that I need to remind myself of.
1: Right. And that's interesting. And it's funny, because reading it now, I think this is as far as I ever got. And so I'm really interested to read more. And I never read any of the crossovers, so I'm really excited to get there. And... It's actually been a lot more approachable than I thought. Oh, and that's what I want to ask is you got the absolutes of Sandman, but I thought you didn't like Gaiman or Sandman.
0: I guess I lied about it. I never didn't like Sandman.
1: You think it's overrated or?
0: I used to think it was overrated. Um, I th- I used to think it was, I mean, well, this was my snobbery in the 90s. I'm a bit embarrassed by it now, actually. I used to think there really isn't any good writing in um in comics, and that Gaiman is the best of a bad lot. <laughs> or uh, or that, that he's overrated. He's an interesting but flawed writer is probably what I really thought. And then when I read his prose, I thought it was very middle of the road in terms of the prose I normally read. And he got a lot of That's accolades fair. for it. And I realized that he was a very adept networker. And around that time, I was beginning to form my, because I was trying to become a science fiction writer, form my dislike of the success of people who were good at networking in the world of sci-fi and fantasy. Okay. So he, he actually is to be admired on one level because he had this hugely successful career in um, comics And he took a huge risk and kind of threw himself into the science fiction fantasy world. And when he started out, I don't think uh, he had that much name recognition there. But he networked like crazy and his pictures would be everywhere at all the big conventions and stuff, standing next to all the right people. And then he started winning a lot of awards for things that I thought were kind of, eh. So now I, now I kind of have revised my thinking on him, and I feel like his comic book writing is pretty good, at least a lot of it, um, and that I am less enamored with his
1: prose. Well, I can see a lot of what you're saying, and I think there's a few factors there. A, seeing creators like that when you're getting the side bit, which you've spoken about before in a number of times about why you kind of don't follow creators and whatnot because you don't want to you want to enjoy the work you don't oh, right. get like meeting in creators that. in person and stuff and i feel like this is related to that that kind of opinion coming and from
0: follow it. or and or following them on twitter or whatever i just follow fellow comic book fans yeah. and not the creators and i don't ever try to like get creators to come watch my videos or listen to my podcast as i say good things about them or whatever i'm not I'm not wanting their attention. I'm wanting the attention of my fellow readers and not the other creators.
1: Well, when Warren Ellis listens to all our podcasts, I'm sure that will crack. But Well, he may have nothing else to do right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a bitter laugh, Warren, um, if you're listening. We we want you to write more.
1: Yeah. I... I I've... I mean, I do enjoy Sandman, at least mm-hmm. half of it. And... I think there's a lot there and I think there's a lot to respect. But I've also heard a lot of the criticisms and God, I wish I could find this article again. There was this, the article, I don't know if I agree with it, but it was an incredibly written thing that was an argument that the image revolution in the 90s saved us from comics all becoming more pretentious (laughs) like Sandman. Because that was was like the thing happening.
0: It's funny, I now view it as the reverse. Well,
1: I... It's
0: I feel like yes, Vertigo saved I, us from Image destroying comics for good.
1: Which is weird now cuz Image is
0: Image is more like Vertigo
1: now. The more pretentious. Yeah. Um and it, it the article was really interesting in that it was talking about like taking all these crazy ideas. And the other thing too to that article that i found interesting is it was kind of pointing to the idea that people talk about this early image stuff and a lot of it was horrible for about three to ten issues depending on the run but if you kept going with it there was usually more there i mean spawn definitely people have found stuff in that wildcats got better most
0: of them maybe not spawn but most of them took so long to come out that by the time ten issues came out they had already killed the, uh, comics industry or killed is dramatic, but they had, they had already reached the point where the comics industry was kind of, uh, collapsing in on itself.
1: And this article was not talking about industry. It was talking about art to be so, Yes. And that's the thing. Like I said, I don't necessarily agree with it. And there's all these factors and ideas going into that, which relates to what we were talking about here. Aren't these guys goofy? Right. Are, you know, this is the the new era of comics and whatnot. But I think there's this kind of weird battle that was waged in comics that we let go around the time Planetary was going but planetary seems very kind of mired in this idea of the goofy and the pretentious mm-hmm. and the high-minded and the low-minded of the art in kind of pop culture versus high culture in a way. It, and it used to be a much bigger deal. And at this point, I don't think that's an I don't think that's a factor. I don't think that's an issue anymore. You mean
0: in a lot of areas uh, pop culture and high culture have interleaved much more and it's
1: no longer separated oh, from no. each other? I would argue high culture has lost and pop culture has won.
0: Ah, high, high culture has just disappeared. It,
1: no, it was obliterated and shot uh-huh. and exploded and killed. and. Mi- I,
0: but But if yeah, you were in um, a creative writing program at one of the top schools they would still say the high culture exists and ignore the low culture that you and I love so much. But, would they? Well, I guess I assume I don't think they
1: do, that's but... true of colleges anymore. I, I don't, that wasn't, I mean, I didn't go to a high level college or to a state college. Right. But... I'm thinking of, you know,
0: if you studied creative writing at Stanford or well, something
1: like that. Yeah. But I hear, because we have access to people who are, casemakers and people who are in the orbit of the Ivy League schools Mm -hmm. through things like TED Talks and the New Yorker and whatnot. And the way that they talk about things and how they're approaching culture now is very different than it was even 10 years ago. Uh, So
0: maybe I'm just out of the loop on that.
1: Maybe. I, I just... We hear so much, but it's all related through things that are more accessible and the way that we talk about the importance of culture and what it is is much more about accessibility and diversity and the term diversity doesn't mean what it meant 10 years ago and so that's playing into this book too if planetary is made today you wouldn't have three white characters of anglo-saxon descent be the globe-trotting group that is
0: interesting that's an interesting point although i feel we're in a transitionary time where some things do that better than others because i i was watching dune on tv the new dune and they do have one of the major character or uh, one of the secondary major characters is a black woman instead of a white man um as he probably was in the first movie but if you if you really took dune seriously i think as you know just drawing from the novel the characters all of them could be mixed races of various types instead you still have mostly white characters with a few nods to diversity
1: well maybe i yeah that's an interesting intersection i So I was
0: watching Dune and I was surprised because here was an opportunity,
1: you know, a a book
0: that takes place 10,000 years from now. And so you don't, and it's not like people can say, hey, in the book, it specifically says they're all white men. It doesn't. (laughs) um, So you could put in anything. Anyway, but you're you're basically right. I mean, it would be more, it would be quite noticeable, the whole concept of, thinking about diversity of your cast is really very new, even though there were been nods to it, you know, on and off since the sixties maybe, but just mere brief nods here and there.
1: Well, I think there's that, but I also think like planetary is playing in a Mayu that made sense. But again, if it was written today on top of the character bit that I mentioned, I feel like there'd be a lot more push to, Go more global Mm. with it, because this is very comfortable to stay in the literary English, pop English tradition. Although we
0: did, we went to Japan and then to Hong Kong in the second and third issue.
1: We did, though there was... All through the point of view of white people, but... Well, and the third issue in particular is... Is it exoticism? Maybe... I mean, you have a point and we have only read so many. I mean, it's majority one way, but you are right. And I don't know, but I also feel like we, if this was read now, we would have been to Africa. We would have been to India, the Middle Middle East.
0: East. All of those places would be obvious draws of, you know, huge wells of wonderful fictional worlds. Um, Latin America the has full of it also. I mean, everywhere <laughs> has a rich cultural stuff
1: going on. But it's harder to tie that thread the way that this book's written, because in order to play that through, there are more similarities because it is more similar. Right. And it's playing through the times along with the culture. But if you start going that global, I feel like for what's going here, you'd lose the thread.
0: Yeah, In terms of uh, those those two issues that took place in different Asian countries... All of that was stuff that any slightly adventurous white pop culture person would have known about in the 90s. Um, that's when I learned well, about I mean, the who Hong Kong heard of- movies. There were suddenly these Hong Kong movie festivals sometime in the mid-90s. And uh, of course, the Godzilla movies go back much further in the white consciousness, but
1: and everybody's heard of a Godzilla movie. Everybody's heard of a John Woo movie or whatever, right? Like, it's not...
0: Well, no, at one point, I think it was... A John Woo movie was still for just a small number of aficionados in the 90s. So um, it's much more obvious now that people would know a John Woo movie than back then.
1: I mean, once you get to Mission Impossible 2, I mean, there's that John Woo scene and... When did Mission that Impossible was like... 2 come out? That was late '90s. I
0: mean, I think it. It uh, in my experience, the there was a sudden awareness of Hong Kong really movies um, in in the mid '90s. But I could be
1: wrong. Yeah. Well, it, it tied into the rise of and anime. So it, was,
0: it, it, it very rapidly moved to Hollywood, and they hired John Woo to come do things in Hollywood at some point.
1: Well, it's the same reason. So like, it's periods of access, and that's a big part of um, global penetration of right. media. And so, I mean, at the same time, anime and manga was rising because you had stuff come over because it was easy to do via the internet or DVDs. Uh, because you didn't have to hard-sub everything. You could soft-sub, and you had the discs, which were cheaper and easier to move and easier to pirate. Uh, things move through. Actually, it'd be really interesting at that point to talk about piracy. Because especially with Hong Kong movies, the, the piracy movement of it brought it through across the globe, right. basically. Because they were just selling things at cost but well i don't know if
0: it was just local to me or something traveling around the country but someone was packaging lots of hong kong movies together for art house theaters uh in the 90s when there still were art house theaters
1: it was the american arm Uh, they were literally pushing to do that because with visibility came sales and with such an increase of sales, the money came through and it looks
0: like uh John yeah, Woo's I... first American movie was in ninety six. So I guess awareness might have happened prior to that, or at least awareness yeah, in Hollywood. for And then Face Off was well, ninety seven and... and Mission Impossible was two thousand. So Mission Impossible two. Poor John Wu though. I don't feel like I, I feel bad. I think he would have been better staying off in Hong, staying in Hong Kong, but I don't th- oh. feel like Hollywood movies served him that well. Well, Hollywood's bad for action. Anyway, we're way off track. But in talking about that, I thought it was odd to say I don't now in May. I don't know how I perceived Vertigo books in two thousand. Although I don't think I perceived them as as goofy as Warren Ellis thinks of them. But I look back at them now as being really important and cool, and not at all something to be made fun of.
1: It is also a brand of Vertigo that he's poking fun right. of here. It was the part that intersected with dc it wasn't so much preacher or transmet which he thinks is apparently the greatest thing but the animal mans and the swamp things and and somehow
0: the metal man got stuck in there salmon yeah but i still think i mean i don't buy his argument that it that it was a goofy time or anything i i feel like it was the opposite (laughs) maybe i'm just seeped in nostalgia or something but
1: I I think it it's also kind of that idea if you pull back because we're so used to seeing superheroes and all that. But I mean, if you pull back and look at Batman, oh yeah, yeah, he looks pretty goofy.
0: No, I could see that. And the the goofiest thing in here was the the Superman analog. You know, he was he mm-hmm. was very funny and embarrassing. <laughs> but so I mean, I think I just I just perceive it differently than Warren Alice does. It's fair. And as I was kind of hinting, I, I kind of think, you know, we we had this huge boom in comics that resulted in image and this focus on artists, and then the focus on artists kind of caused the ship to almost sink. And it was the Vertigo-style focus on writers that kind of helped comics survive this kind of dead zone. And an interesting thing is right now there's a big revival of people's interest in the early image stuff you know with the huge revival of spawn mm-hmm. and and suddenly the value of early image comics that were 50 cent or t- dollar books has now gone up and all of that well, there... so it probably comes in waves like we, i was probably sneering at the image early image books a few years after they failed or they sort of disappeared from the scene and now that so much time has passed we can it's easier for some people and me to some extent to see what was good about them. And so maybe the, 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 kind of, the kind of vertigo books that he's making fun of were so recent to him that it was easier for him to sneer at them than he might now.
1: Well, it's funny because in this book, they talk about generations, but he talks about it in a decade right. sense. Um, but generational in most conscious collective thought is at 30 years. And that image stuff was just about 30 years ago. And so we're looking at that point where it is very much past. And I think part of the reason it's easier to appreciate and look at it um, is something I thought about a lot um, after going back and reading the superior Mm -hmm. Spider-Man when it was coming out, it gave me hives because I wanted to read Spider-Man and it wasn't. Um, But looking back at it, it's a great run. There's a lot of good things there. It's really interesting. It's a great diversion, but You know, it's great to read now, but January, February, March for three years going, not having Spider Man when I'm picking up Spider Man was not what I wanted. And I think there's something very different when you're reading a story in comics that has been and is interesting to talk about versus the thing that you're going to be dealing with for the next year or several years looking forward, it's a different mentality. It's about what are you excited for versus what's a good story. And those can be two very different things.
0: Exactly. And when you look back at something 20 years later, 30 years later, you're you're reading it as, oh, here's something interesting from the past that I can look at. Not here's something that is interplaying with my current expectations month to month as you were referring to before. And I and and that may be part of why I have a higher opinion of Gaiman's comics now than I did when Sandman was still going on. And there were ups and downs. I would be, re- oh, here's some really good issues. And then I'd read a few more issues and eh, these seem kind of weak. But, but read as a whole, they don't seem as weak or they seem part of a bigger picture about the comics of the past.
1: Well, and in Sandman in particular, uh, Gaiman would go, the way he framed it, as per his notes, was there's one male story and then Uh one female story. But when anybody's talking about Sandman, they're talking about the ones that involve Morpheus, by and large, which were Uh the male stories, and not the ones involving Sissy and Gabrielle and those characters, primarily. Um, There's deviations on both sides, but by and large.
0: And I wasn't aware of any pattern going on.
1: Right. Um, and I think it breaks. I, um, but that's how he was going about it. And I, I think now, you know, going read it and reading these smaller stories and then seeing it in the tapestry, more connections can be made and joined. But if you're sitting there for three months reading the story that you're like, I, well, I want to be reading about these characters and these greater ideas, not this like human drama about some junkie.
0: Yeah, like if you've just read um, Seasons in the... No, it's not called Seasons of Miss."
1: Seasons of the If You just yeah. read that,
0: and of- then suddenly he switches gears. Even if it's good, it's hard for you as the reader at the time, you thought you had a grasp of what Sandman was. Um, but when you look back on it as a whole, you have a different grasp of what Sandman is. And you're just saying, oh, here's, here's an interesting piece there, interesting piece
1: there. do we have to do sandman after planetary now
0: i i don't think i could stand to do the entirety but it'd be fun to pick out some bits of sandman to chat about
1: i feel like we'd do arcs It would only if you do it like that way it'd be
0: pick some arcs or some of the one and done ones too in my memory those are some of my favorites
1: i mean there are yeah you're right i don't or yeah that would be a chore.
0: For myself, we could do a reread, I could do a reread of Sandman, and every now and then you and I could dip in and talk about some part of it. I can't. Within the context of that reread.
1: I can't casually approach uh. <laughs> that thing. <Doug. laughs>
0: I just think if we tried to take on all of Sandman as a podcast, that would be many years.
1: That's fair. Yeah, never mind. Scrap that idea. We'll do uh No,
0: no, no. I, I'm intrigued. I just think we could... Maybe we could figure out a way to just do it arc by arc no. more quickly.
1: Either way, there should be something in between.
0: <laughs> a palate cleanser.
1: Something fun and punchy. Like some uh, early Stormwatch
0: yeah. or early Fire, uh, Wildcats or something.
1: I'm teasing you. <laughs> Not too early. Not too early. All right, are we just going to do all the Wildstorm <laughs> comics? There or...
0: I'm trying to find
1: Alan Moore Wildstorm. It's not easy. What did he do? Because he did Wildcats and then he did a couple issues of Spawn. So I just
0: found one issue of Wildcats that he did. So I have one issue that he did. I don't know how many he did. Ten maybe? Nine?
1: Not a ton. And if you don't read them in order... yeah, I know so right. I have to look
0: for the rest I found it in a 50 cent bin but it was all by itself and I spent another 20 minutes searching through the bins around it hoping there were some other Alan Moore Wildstorm but instead or Alan Moore Wildcats instead there were millions of copies of Wildcats 1, 2 and 3 and then almost nothing else
1: <laughs> and those aren't worth reading I assume not <laughs> the, the, could the
0: art alone makes my skin crawl
1: it's Jim Lee, baby. Yes. Hush. Everybody loves Hush. Everybody loves X-Men yes. 1. You That's and I pro- love
0: Hush. We've proved it on uh, YouTube several <laughs> times.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm never doing Hush again.
0: The in-joke there is that we recently did a, a YouTube group uh, review of Hush, and each of us got assigned a different issue. But then it actually, uh, Matt was did another YouTube group review of Hush years before.
1: Which I end up referencing. Ah, uh, yes. I, <laughs> mostly I... Yeah. I... Uh,
0: no one uh, remembers I, the past of YouTube. Have you... You probably haven't heard, but there's a, a new first-time-ever YouTube comic book awards. Oh, okay. Great. For best channel and best this and best that. And, of course, Good. I've seen that happen at least two or three times before. <laughs> but they're saying it's the first time ever first ever youtube comic book community awards
1: <laughs> those were the days yeah. they're
0: always the these I'm, days are just recurring for other people
1: And <laughs> yeah. i mean i get it it's a cool idea and i'm glad yeah. people are doing it i just you're right
0: <laughs> no every every two or three years the people who come on think they've discovered something brand new and i was the same way right you were there already and i thought well, I knew it had been going on for a year or two before me.
1: But, but I mean, when we were doing I mean, it was new because there wasn't really that access to YouTube prior. and When you started, but I came in a little later. Came in like half a year later. Really?
0: Oh, I thought I came like two years after you.
1: Uh, I think it was earlier. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it's cool that these people, you know, found their new group and they're giving each other accolades and all that, yeah. I mean. Kudos.
0: Yeah. It's particularly ironic when I do join in and people say, Who's Sleepy Reader? Who's this guy? Where'd he come from?
1: Oh, and I, I do want to say, um, Talox was the one that put together the recent yes. Hush review. And that was great. And thank you. And thank you for inviting me. I just, in particular, Hush is a story that I don't have a particular fondness for. And I've heard it talked about to death. And frankly, I don't think there's much there
0: but it was a savvy move on his part because a lot of people were very happy and said it was their favorite batman series and all of that and i guess it's probably one of his favorites
1: so that's what we should do
0: batman odyssey <laughs> i have all the issues from a 50 cent bin i don't know if i'll
1: ever read them i have a trade i, I think it would be just a treat yes okay we'll do that issue by issue
0: a two-hour episode on each issue. <laughs> and then we perhaps will stay dead. <laughs> then we do Batman All-Star. Uh-huh. I've never finished reading that. Really? The Jim Lee, the Jim oh. Lee Frank Miller Batman All-Star? No.
1: How can you not? Oh,
0: that thing is... Uh... I think I read one issue when it was coming out or something.
1: Oh, my God. It's so fascinating.
0: huh well, maybe we, maybe we should do that as our palate cleanser before we go on to. The, um, yeah, sandwich.
1: I my recommendation there is to just skim. <laughs> you know.
0: Okay. Well, we will be back from the dead soon, and we will do issues um, eight and nine of Planetary, and there will be even more to come after that. Um, we're having fun. Yeah. I'll cut out most of that conversation about YouTube, I think.